RT8K News. It's one o'clock, I'm Pierre Tremblay. The top story is an executive councillor calls on the government to help the catering sector weather the slump caused by protests. The government warns candidates in district council elections that they risk disqualification if they back independence. And President Trump hails a partial trade agreement with Beijing. Catering sector lawmaker and executive councillor Tommy Chang has urged landlords to cut rents or allow for delays in rental payments to help caterers whose businesses have been hit by months of anti-government protests. Mr Chang said sales for many restaurants fell more than 30% year-on-year in September and it's getting worse. He says while the government has rolled out relief measures to help the sector, he hopes more can be done. Like we have in SARS, where they gave us a million dollars or lend us a million dollars and guarantee 100% uh, for the banks uh, so that we can use that to pay uh, salaries. Uh, that hasn't come about yet. And obviously the other uh, loans that they're willing to give, we still have to wait for LESCO to uh, start working before we, uh, our finance committee can approve those money uh, for the government to be used. Not just the government. We need uh, all landlords uh, to come in and help. The Secretary for Constitutional and Mainland Affairs, Patrick Nip, has warned that anyone who advocates independence or independence as a possible option may risk being disqualified from running in the district council elections. Asked whether Demosisto leader Joshua Wong, who advocates self-determination for Hong Kong, and earlier announced that he would run in the election, would be disqualified, Nip said he would not comment on individual cases. But he said election officers will decide whether to allow a candidate to run in accordance with the law. It's very clear that one of the requirements, uh, which is uh, as uh, confirmed by the court, is a substantial requirement uh, that uh, the uh, candidates uh, must uh, uphold the basic law and pledge allegiance to Hong Kong special administrative region. And we know that uh, very clearly in basic law and also in accordance with one country, two systems principle, uh, Hong Kong special administrative region is part of China. Um, so um, anyone who advocates uh, independence or uh, independence as a possible option uh, I think uh, it's very clearly, clearly that it's uh, inconsistent with uh, uh, one country, uh, two systems and, and the basic law. Education Minister Kevin Yang says students should not exert group pressure on teachers holding different political views of their, from their own, saying this would affect freedom of speech and academic freedom. Mr. Yang was responding to an incident in which Polytechnic University lecturer Chan Wai Kung who had told media that anti-government protesters must be severely punished, was surrounded and shouted at by a group of students on campus. President Trump has hailed a partial trade agreement signed with China that will see the United States postpone a tariff hike on Chinese goods set to come into effect next week. Speaking to reporters at the White House, Mr. Trump said the deal, which covers agricultural purchases and intellectual property, would be great for both countries, and he thanked the Chinese negotiators. The Vice Premier, I want to just thank you very much for being here with your team. Uh, you're very tough negotiators. Congratulations. But it's something that we both realized right from the beginning is very important, not only for China, not only for the U.S., but for the world. President Trump, sorry, the agreement will be finalized over the next few weeks. It does not address existing tariffs. The United States has warned that it's prepared to... It's prepared significant new sanctions against Turkey over its incursion to northern Syria. 
The Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said the sanctions could be activated if Turkey were to take further military action against Kurdish forces there. The announcement was made shortly before the Pentagon said U.S. troops stationed near the northern Syrian town of Kubani had come under fire from Turkish position. Turkey has denied deliberately targeting U.S. soldiers, the BBC's Orla Guerin reports. Here's Turkey's response to international calls for an end to its offensive. Its forces continuing to pound northeastern Syria, creating a new landscape of the displaced. 100,000 people and counting in just three days. And tonight we found more convoys heading for the border for an operation that is strongly supported at home. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Tokyo is preparing to face what could be its biggest storm in 60 years. Typhoon Hagibis is expected to bring wind speeds of over 200 kilometers an hour when it makes landfall today. And as Japanese citizens steal themselves, a potential legal battle prompted by the typhoon is threatening to engulf the Rugby World Cup. The BBC's Jonathan Savage reports. The joke among Scottish sports fans is that while we're weary of having our dreams crushed, at least our teams tend to mess everything up in new and creative ways. But to lose out as a result of a combination of weather and bureaucracy? Well, fate has really outdone itself this time. The Scots need to beat Japan in their final group game to make it through to the knockout stages of the Rugby World Cup. But the tournament's organisers are threatening to deny Scotland the right to win or lose on the pitch. If Typhoon Huggabees means Sunday's game in Yokohama can't be played, they'll rule it a scoreless draw, putting the Scots on the next plane home. Well, the Scottish Rugby Union aren't putting up with that. They've had legal advice saying the game could still be moved to another day or city. Mark Dodson is Scottish Rugby's chief executive. This is a massive stage for us to perform on. To have it taken away is pretty difficult for an organisation like us. We're not being aggressive, we're being constructive and we try to have dialogue. I think in the court of public opinion we've already won. I think you can see from social media that people feel that this doesn't feel quite right. And I think most people feel that if it was one of the economic powerhouses of the game, let's just say New Zealand, perhaps more thought would be given to a flexible approach. World Rugby says the rules on postponed matches were clear all along. And besides, the scale of the typhoon and the complexity of organising the event mean their hands are tied. But should this have been foreseen? Is this time of year too meteorologically risky to hold a major outdoor sporting event? No, says Daniel Redor from data specialist Refinitiv. If you look back at the records, there's only been two typhoons to hit central Japan in October, and this would be the strongest. Probability and odds-wise, October makes sense to hold such an event. It's unlucky. A decision on Japan versus Scotland will be made in the coming hours. The BBC's Jonathan Savage. World Rugby has already asked two matches scheduled for today, New Zealand versus Italy and England versus France, in the first cancellations in the World Cup's 32-year history. Rugby World Cup officials say they'll inspect venues for tomorrow's matches immediately after Hagibis has passed, before deciding whether they can go ahead. Four matches are slated for Sunday, including Japan and Scotland's high-stakes showdown in Pool A, which remains undecided heading into the final weekend of group, names, of group games. 
Organizers of the Japanese Grand Prix have cancelled their entire track program for today, including qualifying, because of the threat posed by Typhoon Hagibis. The Suzuka circuit will be closed, with no public or media allowed in for safety reasons. Qualifying will be rescheduled to tomorrow morning, with a race taking place in the afternoon as originally planned, if weather permits. Football, England failed to confirm their place at Euro 2020 after suffering their first qualifying loss in 10 years as the Czech Republic came from behind to win 2-1 in Prague. Harry Kane's early penalty put Gareth Southgate's men on course to continue what had been serene progress through Group A, but Jakub Brabitz quickly leveled for the impressive Czechs. In the other Euro qualifier games, Montenegro and Bulgaria drew 0-0, Portugal beat Luxembourg 3-0, Ukraine beat Lithuania 2-0, Andorra beat Moldova 1-0, France beat Iceland 1-0, and Turkey beat Albania 1-0. With a look ahead to more football action this weekend, here's the BBC's John Bennett. The European Championship qualifiers take centre stage this weekend in the international break. Italy will be looking to continue their great form under manager Roberto Mancini when they take on Greece in Rome. Six victories out of six have taken Mancini's side to the top of Group J with 18 points. Greece, on the other hand, are struggling with just five points. Like Italy, Spain also have a 100% record in Group F after six games. They take on Norway in Oslo. If he plays, Sergio Ramos will become Spain's outright most capped player of all time. The Real Madrid defender currently shares the record of 167 international caps with Spain's former keeper, Ica Casillas. Several Premier League players will be involved in a key game in Group D. Christian Eriksen's Denmark hosts Granite Xhaka's Switzerland in Copenhagen. Denmark is second on nine points, with Switzerland in third on eight points. To the news, our top stories once again. An executive councillor calls on landlords to help the catering sector weather the slump caused by protests. The government warns candidates in district council elections they risk disqualification if they back independence. The news from RTHK. Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Rambé, with you till 3 p.m. This week, we have a new sampling of hot new tracks from a lot of places on the planet. With hot new sounds from the Americas, North and South to the Caribbean, Africa, South, Central and North, to Europe, East and West, and more. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian. We're still the belly button from the world. In fact, we'll be hearing a new track from Giovanotti later in the show. Starting us off, however, is a re-release of an incredibly successful album. Something like uh, 20 years ago, 1998, was released uh, the first solo album of one very famous Manu Chao, Clandestino. Clandestino, name of the album, his first debut solo album, after having left his band Mano Negra, uh, Manu Chao, born in Paris of Spanish parents and uh, singing in a lot of languages, Spanish, French, Portuguese, Italian, Arabic and English, of which this next track, which is being re-released, Clandestino or Clandestine from the Spanish is, of course, uh, <laughs> all about uh, immigrants, illegal immigrants, displaced uh, people. Uh, and the whole album has been re-released and this track in particular on the charts uh, Bloody, bloody border. 
It's apparently uh, composed by Manichao after he visited the conditions of a migrant camp in Arizona in the USA in, in 1997. So it's about uh, Mexicans and other Latinos crossing the border illegally into the U.S. Uh, in those days, in the late 90s, where they were stuck in camps, some of them in Arizona. Border, bloody border, Manu Chao, re-released from 1998. Arizona blues no more. Arizona rest no more. We want freedom to cross, cross the borderline, freedom's no crime, let peaceful river flow, let the people come and go. We want freedom to cross, freedom to pass, never last Arizona blue. Bloody, bloody border, no more. Arizona rest, no more, no more. Bloody, bloody Arizona blues, no more. Arizona rest. Suspicious, no more. 